Thanks for tuning in to the World XP Podcast. If you're enjoying the content, please drop us up, drop a like, and let us know your thoughts below in the comments. Also, please consider supporting our podcast via the link below. It really helps us out. Welcome, Manny, back to the World XP Podcast. Last time we saw you, you were about to have your, your title fight. You won that, and now you're back. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, it was definitely a fun night. It was a quick night, too. Um, feel very blessed and very hydrated now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. Alex sent me all the pictures and stuff. Um, and what was really wild, the first thing that I thought of that I wanted to ask you the first time, but I didn't want to get in your head. But like, I was like, when you're fighting, do you ever worry like, if you get hit hard enough that you can't like do life anymore? You know what I mean? Like, because because yeah, I, I would I, I would think about that. And I'd be like, ooh, I don't know if I'd want to like hop in there. So props to you, first of all, but also you're kind of nuts. So <laughs> yeah, you know, um, I do think about those kind of things when I fight, um, and fear can change the way that you execute. So one of the things I like to do is I like to study a lot of books from various warriors and generals. And one thing that Miyamoto Musashi said is fight like you're already dead. In other words, fight without fear. If things mm-hmm. happen, they happen. I can't necessarily focus too much on the future, and I can't dwell on the past. I have to be as present as possible. And if I get hit hard and I feel it, that means I'm conscious. If I don't know what happened, I'm on the ground. I probably didn't feel it. I'm just waking up on the ground, you know. Um, so with that being said, yeah, you know, you do think about those things. I would say the hardest part of the fight isn't even the fight. The hardest part is, this might sound crazy, but fighting my sanity. Because, like, you as a human being, every fiber of your existence is like, well, how would you walk into that cage and lock yourself in there with another man? When we don't have to. Like, there's, there's no resources from this. So you have to kind of tell that side of you to be quiet and go in there and go out there and fight. So, yeah. I mean, that's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, I feel like it would be harder to convince myself to do it than to actually like physically do the, like physically perform whatever move you're doing. Like, cause I'm in, I'm in good shape physically. So like mm-hmm. I see a move executed and I'm like, okay, like, I see how he did that or whoever did that. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, yeah, but I wouldn't go in there. Like, so but like, so that's always been interesting to me because I don't know. The first time we talked, um, so I listen to Rogan occasionally and he often talks about MMA and, and different things. And, and I always wonder like the psyche of, the warrior or the fighter because and we've heard a lot about this in society recently here you hear terms like um toxic masculinity which is like whatever like we don't got to get into all that but like you hear these things and then you hear these other phrases synonymous with like a like being a warrior like you hear the phrase better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war and like all these sorts of things and so like you actually do it and so i wanted to talk to you about like is it a conscious thing for you or do you just, do you just have that like in you that you can just go ahead and like, you're like, like, you know, it's there, but like you, it's very easy for you to push it out to like, how does that work for you? And like, you say you study like books from warriors and generals and stuff. Like how does that all fit in? How it all fits in is when like a fighter first starts out, there's a lot of emotions you have to deal with, especially when you're in the back, you see a lot of things. You see people come back crying. Sometimes they don't come back at all. Sometimes they're pushed off on like an ambulance. So with that being said, there's a lot of emotions that go into a fight. And when I look at these books, when it comes to martial artists, 
primarily ones from like, you know, Eastern nations, you know, Asia is the precision of those fighters when they are out there and they do their techniques. Is there a sense of fear there? Absolutely. But that just means I care. That's why I feel deep down when it comes to that. And over time, you just realize when you're living in your purpose, like the thing about martial arts is I feel like when I do it, I'm living in my most natural form. Nobody can take my martial arts from me. It doesn't matter. They can take everything I have, my house, my jewelry, my clothes, everything. But I still have my art with me. And everybody has their own version of art. You know, you have your version of art with the podcast and probably many other things. And this is my version of art. So when I'm out there, I'm just expressing my art. And the wildest part about it is you never feel alone because your corners care about you and they invest in you and you trust them. And it's kind of an out-of-body experience. But things can go south. And understanding that is part of the art of war and making sure that you prepare properly for those bad situations. And when in a fight camp, I'm putting nothing but bad situations. Like right now, I'm training and getting better. But during fight camp, every day is a struggle because they're literally putting you in situations where they know you're not good in to make sure you can get out of them or to your opponent's strengths if they study them. Now, when they say that, you know, that toxic masculinity side of things, I was always taught by my mother, you know what I mean, to be able to protect the people around me. It doesn't matter who they are. And that a harmless man is a liability and a dangerous man is an asset. I learned that from my mom, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's it's very true, you know. Like the main thing that my mom wanted me to make sure that I could do is make sure people around me feel safe. The same thing with my father. So for the people who don't necessarily understand it, it's just it's not their art, it's not their craft. Like I don't understand, you know, makeup artists, but at the end of the day, that's their art, that's their craft, and I respect it. So mm. let me try to narrow it down a bit a bit more. Like, um, you served, you were in the Marine Corps. Is that, do I remember that correctly? Um, I was in the Navy. The Navy. So, like, when I prepare for a soccer game, mm-hmm. especially a big game, the fear is still there. Mm-hmm. But then you still have to trust yourself that you've prepared in such a way that you've studied your opponent's strengths and weaknesses and you've developed counters for, for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, from, and from that perspective, a preparing for a fight is is similar in a in a tactical purely tactical sense i guess what i'm trying to ask is or what i'm trying to figure out is and is i i don't want to it's not necessarily the fear the fear part um mm-hmm. because you answered that but it's it's the when i step in past that white line and mm-hmm. i'm in the field there's still pressure on me there's still like, for example, for Fredericksburg Fire, our season opener is Saturday. And we're playing away. The Baltimore's got their new stadium, right? It's going to be a big game. There's going to be people there. And there's going to be some sort of fear or pressure. Mm-hmm. But I'm not that pressure. I welcome it. But I don't understand maybe the, um, like, the warrior mindset for me, like, takes it a step further. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I fully understand because i haven't done it Mm -hmm. and so i guess that's what i'm trying to like poke at or like trying to narrow down into because from a 
like if you take it step by step right the preparation it's like okay opponent has strength one okay how do we counter this opponent has weakness number one how do we exploit that etc cetera, etc cetera. and you go like step by step that way it's the same but when you step into your art or for me across that white line they are no longer the same and there's something about that that like you can equate um competition all mm. to the same but then there's mm. then there's fighting which is like a step like past it almost mm. and i'm and that's that psyche part right so you you were in the military and now you're fighting like that part is that part of you is like ingrained in a way that it's not in others and that's intriguing to me because i don't people like you don't aren't just like walking around all the time like you know what i mean mm -hmm. so that's i guess does that make sense kind of so I'm yeah. trying to get into like, I don't know how you think about things generally. So the main thing on my mind at that time is execute. The training's already done. Like one thing that I learned in the Navy is that we have an execution phase. Like everything else that we've done before that, the training and all that, when it's go time, it's go time. You already know what you need to do. And you train to the point where it's so instinctual. There's nothing on my mind but to execute, but to finish. Um, and that's what that warrior mindset, I think, kind of comes into play a little bit more from, you know, battle is because mm -hmm. now I'm thinking to finish. I'm not necessarily thinking of, like, you know, this game's going to be this long. I'm thinking when I'm in there to have my proper techniques in line to finish this person from an instinctual standpoint of execution. Yeah, um, I got, yeah, that makes sense. Maybe it's not as far away as, like, I feel like it is. Mm -hmm. because it's much the same for me as soon as i step between those white lines it's like the game is the game and i'm going to mm -hmm. crush whoever i'm playing against like that's what mm -hmm. the mindset has to be mm -hmm. um it's interesting for me and kind of um broader broader sort of culture that we've got mm -hmm. this like the like the kids i coach some of them have it but not a lot do compared to like I remember growing up, like, my friends, it could be, like, ping pong, it could be board games, it could be, like, they were going to win, and obviously there's not really a training aspect with board games, but, like, that mindset of, like, that com that competition and, like, wanting to win and that fighting sort of, like, it's almost indescribable for, like, for people that don't enter into competition against other people in an uncontrolled environment mm -hmm. like in the gym you're competing against yourself but it's a controlled environment yeah um i don't know where it is and it's like it i, I just feel i don't it's a it, for me it's something that has always intrigued me since i started to like really think about about these things mm -hmm. absolutely um and you know just to emphasize on that um, warrior mindset standpoint like, before I got into martial arts, I played around sports a little bit. So, like, when I would fight, I would usually just go the distance, which means I would go the whole fight without finishing the person. Once I started learning about these warriors and how they do things, that's when I started getting finishes in fights. That's when I started mm. ending things. Because, like, that's how they think. It's not necessarily a concept of, let's go and we're going to drag this battle on as long as we can, unless it's part of their tactics. But, you know, the warriors that I've studied, they're trying to get in and get out but still focused on being present, but they're trying to get in there, get them down with a couple of techniques. It's over. Like yeah. the true like core of martial arts. And I think that's where there's a little bit of a separation between sports and fighting. 
um, is that with that fighting as aspect, we can have an early night, but um, if we just go in there, we execute the proper way. Whereas I think every, I'm not sure every other game, but a lot of other games go the distance. Like you play the whole game. If you're winning, you play the whole game. Fighting, yeah. you could just end them in like two minutes or 25 seconds like I did and be out without a scratch, depending on how you express your art that day. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, and the greatest athletes have that. They want to beat you like before halftime or they want to beat you like they want the game to be so far out of hand that there's no like they want to kill you before like the game even goes. Like you saw Jordan and Kobe and all these guys like have that, um, which is another thing that I find interesting because you see these guys in sports who you can tell are like <laughs> built different, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that's interesting to me. So what what have you been um, reading or studying or like what sorts of like what are the people or notable figures that that you've read up on? Oh man, so the first person is uh, Miyamoto Musashi. Uh, mm -hmm. Book of Five Rings. Um, it really kind of just breaks down how to fight in a feeling of like how you maybe how you should feel when you fight, um, certain techniques that you should utilize. So that's one of them. Um, Sun Tzu Art of War, because mm, the fight starts classic. Way yeah, exactly. Because the fight starts way before you hop into the octagon or the ring. It starts as soon as that contract signed. Even before that, like if I if I have an idea of who I'm fighting. Like, I'm already looking at their stuff. My coach is already looking at their stuff. We're comparing this person to UFC fighters and things like that, you know, and we're preparing for that person to be doing the same exact thing. So by the time it's time to fight, I've already won before the fight even starts in a majority of these situations because all I have to do is get to resort to their instincts and their tendencies that I've seen within the previous footage, and I have a good way of doing that. Um, aside from that, you got Yamamoto. Um, he also, like, taught me, like, the benefits of, like, reach and things along those lines. And then also there's a book called Shinoki, and it was a samurai who turned into a ninja. And he kind of gives a manual on how to turn into a ninja. Now, in modern times, that may not seem too big of a deal, but it's the secrecy that he had with his art that was very cool. A lot of people nowadays will just post everything online. Like, every single time they spar, like, all the highlights from their fight. I'm like, I got everything I need on you by just looking at your page. Like, I can see who you're training with to prepare for me, all this stuff. And people have that mindset of, like, oh, well, you know, doesn't mean that they can stop it. But when you look at, like, the core of martial arts, there's a reason aside from, you know, the oxygen deprivation that, like, karate masters train in the mountains. It's the secrecy. Like, one of the things that I like to do when I fight, based off of what I've learned from these books, is do something. They're like, WTF was that? Like, what was that? Whoa, now he's confused. Mm. Because mm -hmm. I don't expose my art. I don't even like cross-training like that because of just what I've learned from these books to really value your art. Not everybody should be exposed to your art until it's time for it to really be out there. You'd be surprised how many people will act like your friend in fighting and then they have a homie who they're closer with who's the same weight class who has exactly what you want. Then all of a sudden, you have an opponent for you. And it's the, it's the dude you thought, thought was your boy. You, you thought that, um, you know, you train over there having fun and then seeing that other guy there and you spawned for a couple of times, it's a good thing. His coach were in the back. They were watching everything. They were playing to fight you from the get-go. So that secrecy element is, like, one of the main things that I love um, that I learned from that book, you know, it's a real good one. Mm. That makes sense that people would do that. But it's also, well, I guess in the, like, yeah. Because I was going to say, for amateurs, like, the gyms are a lot more open and people can kind of just go in and, like, nobody's doing that to Khabib or anything like that. Like, <laughs> that, like his gym is 
closed off to everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, that's interesting. The Art of War is the one that I'm most familiar with out of the one. I mean, I'm, I I know who all all of them are, but that's the one I'm most familiar with. But there's tons of lessons that people can just take away from with that from from life generally, as well. Have you implemented sort of, um these sorts of things into your into your like daily life as a not ne- not necessarily from a martial arts perspective but from a cultural perspective mm-hmm. um definitely um mainly from the concept of discipline and consistency uh one of the things that Miyamoto Musashi once said was that everything is hard when you first started and and everything he said you must practice this You'll be motivated for a little bit of time, but when you actually are consistent and you're disciplined, that's when you have like true freedom to do what you want to do. So I put that discipline into my life to make sure that everything is structured for me to grow, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, it's a really interesting world to me, um, just to see it as, as an observer from the outside and to try to take away a lot of, because there's so much about the practices that just paying attention, right? That you talk about the discipline and consistency that can be applied to almost anything. And mm-hmm. if you pay attention enough, or I try to pay attention en- enough um, and try to take some of, the, like there's stuff to take away from most most things. Like um, a friend of mine said, it's like the grocery store method. It's like you, you take what you want and you like leave what you don't want. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's super interesting to me because like growing up, there's always like Avatar The Last Airbender and all these shows that mm-hmm. kind of are set in Eastern culture. And so um, those sorts of things were like, it's like, yeah, that would be cool. But also I don't want to fight people, but like I'll try and be, <laughs> <laughs> but like I'll try and be more like mindful of things or like I'll try mm-hmm. and be more. I don't know. It, it's the exposure to other cultures as well. It's like, is a really cool thing that I think, I'm sure you've experienced that even just being in the Navy, but mm-hmm. come like reading on all these people and cultures and how they were brought up and taking, right. You cross train or like you train different disciplines. So you've got different people from different cultures that you, that you would draw on. Mm-hmm. Um, and that to me is just a very interesting sort of concept that we have in this modern world now where i can just send a tweet and somebody in china can see like you know what i mean yeah absolutely absolutely um yeah martial has a lot of those things it's it ultimately comes down in my opinion to being just present in a situation like i'm pretty sure you as an athlete there's been things that you have done at that that felt like so poetic um mm-hmm. and the fact that they're able to just write down that feeling is a phenomenal thing. And I've actually like started to actually start to do that myself. Like after my last fight, I really kind of got into deep thought and like had to express like the feeling, you know what I mean? I can't remember it like quote for quote, but it just was something along the lines of like, you know, a lot of people won't believe in you and it's not even their fault. Like they've heard so many people say they're going to do things and those individuals never did them. And so watch that person, you know, believe you. Until they start to see the way that you perform and how you handle business. And then you do it. You're like one of the few people who say you're going to do something and you actually do it. Then all of a sudden, you know, you make it look easy or, you know, you make it look cool. And now you're like hope and inspiration, you know, for those people. So nowadays, you know, when it comes to just, you know, people not believing in what I do or what I say or my expectations for myself. I mean, I get why, 
you know, from the way that the world is, they've obviously been hurt in some way, shape, or form where they can't believe in somebody going out there and doing something great. Yeah. That's a weird one, too. Because then when you, because you as the individual that has to believe in yourself, like, if you don't believe in yourself, nobody else is going to believe in you anyways, because you're the person that's supposed to be doing that the most. Mm -hmm. But then once you cross that threshold, and you're like, yes, I can do this thing. Mm -hmm. And then you have to not worry about what everybody else is like, thinking about that situation. Mm -hmm. And to put it out of your so for example for for me with soccer mm -hmm. i didn't play in college um because of various various reasons mm -hmm. and i just kept playing like if you if you had asked people that i played with in high school if i would have ended up in mexico or on trial with loud united or playing professional arena soccer right now mm -hmm. i don't think any of them would have said yes mm -hmm. maybe Maybe there's one. Shout out Junior. But um but like I stopped, I didn't care about what these people were doing and I just like kept training and kept doing and like I got lucky and that happens. And then it's weird because people then reach back out to you and they're like, Oh, you're doing this cool thing and you're like Yeah, yeah. Uh yeah yeah that's uh that's correct man <laughs> like so have have you had I, I assume you've had to deal with that as well and how how have you dealt with that like I guess without without saying it depends on the person and the situation but like yeah. generally speaking if something like that happens like where's your from a if you if you take a step back from like mm -hmm. a it's that guy that did it instead of yeah. that but just like how would you like if you had advice for the you that hadn't experienced it yet, like what would the advice be? That's a good, good question. Um, so I have dealt with it before. Yeah. And, and like you just gotta, you know, just take it in stride, just be like, you know, thank you, you know. Um the the advice I would give to myself is like you wanted this, you expected this, this all just comes with the process. They wanna be part of your story now. You know, because now they see you going somewhere with this. Now, that means people really can go out there and really turn something into reality like that, especially in something, you know, as, you know, competitive as like soccer or something that's violent as MMA. So, you know, just I would, the thing that I would tell my past self is that they just want to be part of your story, man. Like, and that's okay. You don't need to have them part of your story. You could, you know, show value within your absence without necessarily continuing the conversation. Because I have had situations that have been really weird like that. I've had people who didn't believe in me, uh, follow me. They you know they're refollowing me, trying to like stories and things that I'm doing now all of a sudden because they want to be back in because they saw what happened. And I'm just like, yo, you got to be kidding me, man. Like, you knew I was grinding this hard. You knew I was looking for an equation to this. A lot of people actually, like, like left the circle. And once they did, I understood why. I didn't fight for two years. I mean, the pandemic and then other stuff that was going on with complications with promotions. I didn't fight in two years. They didn't expect me to be where I am now, at least in regards to martial arts, being number one in the state of Virginia amateur and number three from here to Mississippi to Florida. I didn't mm -hmm. expect it either, but you just got to just realize people have different walks of life. And if you can inspire people by living your purpose, that's an amazing thing. A lot of people will go out their way to try to make people like them and things like that. But when you can accumulate individuals just from living what you want to do it's amazing like the gesture that you did earlier this one that that's exactly where you need to be mm -hmm. because when you're like this and you get something done 
then great things happen. But the most ironic thing about it is sometimes you wish that, like, you know, your, your phone will go back to normal. It's like, dang, you know, I just went in here, I did this, now my phone's blowing up, people are calling me a hometown hero, I can't even go get a drink at the, like, at the bar, you know what I mean, after the fight, because people come up to me wanting pictures, and you're like, dang, like, five minutes ago, like, nobody even knew, I mean, they knew who I was, but nobody really was on that wave. But then, yeah. boom, it's, it's, it's a very weird feeling. Yeah, I've not had it to that to that perspective for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and most of the people that reach out now are, at least I think, are being ge- like genuine and they're like, "Oh, that's cool that you're doing that," and that's fine. Um, it is. It has been weird to see like, like people come watch our practices now, mm-hmm. and people, um, like kids will come up to you after games like that's. That to me is kind of weird because I remember being that kid, mm-hmm. but I also know like, like, yeah, I'm not making anything. This is like third tier. Like I'm doing this for fun, really, out of anything. Like it just happens to have this name, and like, you have you get that perspective of like, yeah, I'm not going to like play in the World Cup. Like this is not the same. Mm-hmm. But to that kid, like they have no, they have no idea. Yeah. Um, and so. To you being like, I wouldn't necessarily call it imposter syndrome, mm-hmm. but to have the the first time it happened to me, I, I almost like, in, I was about to like brush the kid off because I was like, this is nothing. And I was yeah. annoyed at something that happened in the game. And I was like, I'm, this is mm-hmm. like, this league doesn't even, there's like, it's fine. It's whatever. Mm-hmm. And then I had to like, be like, no, this kid has no idea. Like, let me make, like, without, like, tuning my own horn to be, like, let me, like, say hi to this kid and he'll remember that for, like, for a while. Yeah. And that's a weird thing when people get super, like, the ones that are playing in the World Cup that have, like, gazillions of people that are that way. Like, I I often wonder mm-hmm. how how they handle that because I don't think humans really are are, like, wired to handle that much mm-hmm. you know yeah and then so for you and to a lesser extent myself adjusting to that like for you to not be able to go get a drink at the bar after the fight without somebody asking for a picture like mm-hmm. how is that how does that fuck with your head and like mm-hmm. or or does it at all because you're yeah. still in you're still in like get to the next fight um it does mess with my head a little bit not from like a negative standpoint, but sometimes you want to attach to the people who you care about. And like, for example, there's so many people who there who supported me and genuinely love me. And it's like, I can only be one place at one time on top of the random people coming up to me on top of me having this adrenaline on top of yeah. having to figure out what I got to do next on top of my coaches in the back. Like, yo, Manny, like, you know, like, like what's the next move? Um, the way that I keep grounded with the situation is number one, I always tell myself, like, you know, if I don't humble myself, like God will. So I'm gonna like be chill, be approachable, and do what I need to do. But then also just to respectfully have boundaries for the individuals who I don't know like that, you know. Because you know, after a fight, I mean they, their adrenaline's pumping pumping too. Except they're already drunk, you know what I mean? So like they're coming up to you, kind of like, yo, man, yo, man. Like I remember uh before my last fight, like I was getting in my zone. I like to meditate a little bit before my fight, um, to bring out a different side of me. Like I just learned how to activate myself for a fight doing that. Um, mm-hmm. just like extreme presence, you know. And so I'm ready for the fight, but I gotta go pee real quick. So I go and pee, 
And then I'm about to come back. I have this look on my face. I'm just ready, you know? And my boys all joke like, yo, man, I said, not right now. Not right now. Like, my coach was in the back where I went out there. It was like, everyone outside there is your enemy. Do not talk to anybody. Because, you know, like, for coaches to get you into that zone, they really have to know you. And that's mm-hmm. the thing. is like, a lot of my coaches know me. Like, they know how to bring out that, like, aggressive side of me and, and how to give me space to do that. They know the time for me to start warming up, et cetera. They know how to motivate me, how to make me, like, in a situation where I feel deflated so I fight out of that, like, slump, you know? Um, so, yeah, so he's like, everybody out there is your enemy. Next thing my boy's coming up to me, like, yo, man, like, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, bro, right now I'm not even, like, in reality, bro. Like, I'm, I'm in a whole different frame of mind. And the like, only thing I thought about was, like, execute. Just walk up there, just like, do what I need to do. And I have all these people inside going, let's go, let's go, let's go. And I'm just like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Kind of like you say, like, you know, not let it mess with my head. But, yeah, just. You know what's nutty about that, though, is, like, I don't know the guy that went into there because he was already drunk. But, like, I, in my head, I'm like, <laughs> that's kind of a shitty friend because not, like, again, I don't know him. So, like, <laughs> you're good, you're good. but, like, if I know that you're preparing for that fight, mm-hmm. I am staying the fuck out of your way mm-hmm. because it's different than, like, because I don't like people doing that to me before soccer. It's like, okay, yeah, great. Like, leave me alone. And then after, I'll talk to you afterwards. Mm-hmm. But before a fight, like, you got to go basically end somebody. And yeah. so for some dude to be like, if you're already in that, like you're trying to be like, get into that state of mind where mm-hmm. it's like, I'm like, I'm going to crush this guy mm-hmm. to have some dude come up to you or like, I know he's your friend, but I was like, I feel like he should know better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. But you know, it's, it's one of the things, man, unless they're athletes, you know, yeah, they, they don't have yeah, that yeah. real feeling. Cause you know, I agree with you. Like when, like when my close friends have fights coming up, I'll say nothing to them. I'm like, hey man, you probably get a whole bunch of motivational speeches and all types of stuff. Like, you know, your coaches are cool. Yeah. For you after, man, just just know I'm gonna be there in the crowd. You know, but uh, yeah. So that's all. But also, a lot of people want to hang out more. But it's like, hey guys, just like one doesn't mean I can really hang out. I might have a little bit more time to spend with the people who I generally, you know, care about. Other than that, my fighting homies, I'm always going to see all the time. When it comes to, you know, my jujitsu people, I'll see them all the time. Trust Iron High and Capital. But that's when it comes down to, you know, like, you know, you have, you have your close friends before all that, you know. And to find that time to go hang out with them is, like, so important. However, you know, after the fight, people think that, like, you know, you're free. But it's like, yo, I'm not really free. Like, you know what I mean? In regards to my time because now it's yeah, just on my back. The next one comes. Exactly. Yeah. Now people really want to fight me. Before people didn't want to fight me. Like before, it was like taking forever to get anything. Like three days after the fight, somebody hit me with, "Oh, we got a possible opponent for you." I'm like, "Yo, bro, like, like you know what I mean? I'm really hot. I'm still like, you know." Really yeah. So how how long does it take to recover from? Because I I think what in in UFC guys don't do more than two ish, two one or like two. Mm-hmm. I has somebody done three in a year? Yeah, some people, yeah. Do, it, it all depends on this trajectory and what they want to do. Some people are very strategic, yeah. you know, like, I want to fight this guy, like, this guy be available, fight him, oh, I don't want to fight this guy. Um, but from my uh, perspective, like, I want to fight as much as I possibly can, but my job wants me to do something in February, so I can't fight February. December was a little bit too soon for me um, because I had some other things I need to handle, like finishing up my degree. Um, February is Congrats like, on that, by the way. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um 
So yeah, so like the next one that they have open is April. So I, you know, I told them I was like, hey, April, I'm down. Like, so was that six months? Um, six months from the last one? Yeah, around that time, and it's torture. Trust me, it's torture. Like I wanted to like do jujitsu tournaments and all that, but I just got my purple belt in jujitsu, and my coach was like, hey man, like let's just use this time to work in you know the lab and let, let's let's cook up new techniques. Let's let's actually grow because when it comes to like getting better as a fighter, a lot of fighters they'll fight, take a break forever. And then they'll start training hard again for a fight camp. That's not how I train. Like, I treat martial arts as a lifestyle. Like you said, warrior, you know, in a garden. So what I'll do instead is I'll actually, like, you know, train hard year-round. Like, I'm already in a camp, but I already I just eat a lot of food. So my yeah. muscles recover quickly. But when I have a fight, that's when you start to zero in on what my opponent does good, bad, et cetera. So it's like, this is the prime time for me to grow. Because I actually have all the nutrition I need and to excel. Like, I want every fight to be a leap and bound for my last uh, fight and it appears to be going that way so yeah well also I, from the recovery question if you mm -hmm. didn't if you finish a guy in two minutes then it doesn't really then mm -hmm. there's not really a recovery period in yeah, that way yeah. but let's hypothetically speaking let's say if i went five rounds and you're like mm -hmm. you got a i don't know minor injury here or minor injury there like what like what what would people be looking at like is that like a six month eight month type before, so they can recover and then and then go again like because i don't know all i know is from paying very not close attention to you to, to, <laughs> to ufc so i don't really know how i don't really know how it works and how the body recovers mm -hmm. for from fighting specifically i know for like other sports and stuff but mm -hmm. fighting is fighting is a different yeah so um it depends on like what happens in in, in, the, in the ring uh also depends on the venues fighting again um i've seen people get you know, nothing happened to them, and they take longer to fight than somebody who got knocked out. It also it depends on when they come back. Usually, recovery wise, the coach usually tell you it doesn't even matter if you did good and you fall, you didn't get touched. To take like a week off just to let your body like just 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 chill for a second because you really just went from you you did this hard fight camp, turned your body into a raisin, turned into a grape again, freaking you know now you're pumped adrenaline. Anyone there and fought other man like you like you you're, you're more exhausted. The body is a, a, a phenomenal thing, but a lot of fighters are more exhausted than they think after mm -hmm. a fight, and they really need that time to rest and recover because they just have to put their body through a lot, like physically, emotionally, and mentally. So next fight for you is potentially would be so, – so we talked last time, for those who didn't listen, go check out the fight promo one. I think it's uh, 83. Mm -hmm. Um but so w the structure of MMA for you would be, so you've got your title belt for um, the weight class that escapes me for the re region? Uh, for the, yeah, pretty much for the region. Uh, yeah, for the state. So then like, what is next for you, like going up, mm -hmm. up the ladder? So I'm going to defend the belt once. You know what I mean? I'm defending oh yeah. We talked about that last yeah, time. To show yeah, yeah. That, that this isn't a fluke. Like mm -hmm. I worked so hard to get here, man. Like, you know, I know that might sound, you know, cliche, but man, like the, to do what I did and then to take two years off, try my best to hop into the ring and not getting no opponents to continuously train to be able to execute on the way that I have done, that a lot of people would have not have done that. Like, I mean, I'm 30, you know, like, and like, with that being said, like a lot of people would have tried to transition on to something else. But like, when you really want something, it never leaves your mind. It's there. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I need to get this done. And so... I started to go out there again, display my art on new levels, and then from there, then I'm going pro. Um, then when I go pro, that's when, like, 
you know, it gets really real. Um, amateur is where, in my opinion, you should make your mistakes. That's where you should take your L's. That's when you should learn how you feel with this. But once it goes professional, people are fighting to eat. It's different. And mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, we're also preparing for that curve as well. So, yeah, defend the belt, go pro, after two, three fights in the local um, scene, you know, then boost it up. Like, I mean, people are getting UFC and PFL contracts, like all the five fights. And the PFL just started up a, uh, started up a deal with Jake Paul today um, mm -hmm. just, you know, to boost the promotion. And – at one of the gyms I trained at, uh, where I trained at daily, um, this dude came up to me and said, yo, man, I see you crushing on the bike all the time, like the sprint bike. So I'd be on that thing for, like, ever. And um, he was like, yo, I just want you know, I see you. What do you do? Oh, you're a fighter. Oh, like, I want my boys helps run the PFL. I'm like, what? Like, that's crazy. And then I have another homie who hit me up, like, hey, man, like, if you get a win streak in regards to professional, we got some people at the UFC and the ultimate fighter who, who want to have a conversation. That's why, like, you know, it's so important to have that solid core of fights as an amateur before you go pro because they don't want that. Yeah, 100%. How different is the – how – this is um, – I'm asking this question out of slight ignorance of the sport itself. Mm -hmm. How different is the, the level of fighter – between not not counting like the Khabibs of the world and like the like the top top guys, but like the middle of the road pro guy and like a top level amateur. And I know that different guys are better at different disciplines and different styles and stuff. But generally speaking, like, is there a big gap there, or is it kind of like it's closer than people think? Um. It depends. Uh, it depends on doing their amateur like scene. So I, I see it like this: you got like the starting out fighter who isn't that confident. Then you have the fighters who just like to fight amateur wise. You have the fighters who just like to fight, but they really haven't picked if they want to like party and do this for clout or if they really want to be serious with this. The top amateurs to get to the top of being an amateur, you have to be serious. But then once it's once it's pro, like the pros that I've went against, they just have so many tricks in the book, like. If they need to finish you, there's they, they have the moves already that, that, that they know. If they need to get out of the situation, they already have the moves that, 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 that they just have. Um, so, yeah, like, I would just say the biggest thing is, like, they have such good techniques. Like, if you do that, I got this for it. They're way more composed. And they just have a, a, such a solid mind because of all the experience that they've had um, getting to that level. Yeah, that makes sense. I feel like if I was, like, got caught in, like, a – headlock or something or some sort of hold i'd be like yeah immediately just like i'm done <laughs> <laughs> but like to stay when i watch these guys fight like the top level ones that almost like to somebody that has no clue looks like he's done but then you hear somebody one of the commentators be like this is where he wants them because then he can flip them or he can do this or that and then they're like to be composed when you're like to only breathe, you have to, like, yank the guy's arm, like, down from your neck a little bit so you can, like, get a breath, and then you have to, like, like, it's nuts to me that they are able to, like, remain remain calm in that situation because mm -hmm. you're borderline, like, I mean, the guy can kill you. So, yeah, yeah that's nuts to me. Have mm -hmm. you... I mean, obviously, you've been in a situation sparring before, but in a fight, have you have you had to get out of? And you don't gotta spill any uh any details or any trade mm -hmm. secrets, but uh, 
But have you been in that? Have you have you been in situations like that before? Where like, mm-hmm. um, only once. I was in a jujitsu competition. Someone got me into a submission, like a triangle choke, and then I couldn't get out of it. But I was up on points, so I was like, "Yo, you, you have to put me. You have to put me to sleep, man. You have to kill me." Like I literally had my mouth like this, and I was like breathing like that. My mouth was in the way, so I'm going like this to breathe. Um, I mean, <laughs> psycho. Yeah, right. I was just. <laughs> It was crazy. I got a video. I'll say you if you want. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but like, to me, man, just suffering's growth. Like, like anytime you've grown, you've been tested and you've suffered, like, suffered to get better. Um, mm-hmm. So, in situations like that, it's just like, yo, like, this is going to make me a stronger person on the end of it. So, stay focused, be present, control your breathing. Like, this is all the stuff we read about. This is all the stuff that we train. Like, he obviously doesn't have it in all the way. You know, and he could have some bitch to be squeezing and panicking, but at the end of the day, like, I'm in a position where I know that if it comes to breathing, she's going to have to put me out because, like, I'm not, I want to win. And if I go out, oh, well, I dare to be great. So. Is, that a, is that a technique that you practice, like, when you're in a triangle choke or something, like, how to get the most air in? Uh, no, like my, my coaches were not happy that that happened. Uh, so like you usually have an escape, <laughs> you, you have an escape you're supposed to do. So yeah, like yeah. do this, do that, do this. But I just got stuck, and I was just like, yo, I can't get out. But then I was just like this, and I'm just like, yo, I'm not tapping like his legs right around. I'm just like, bro, I'm not gonna do it. Like I'm not. Like, and then they have this look like I got you, and it's like I don't care. Like I do not care. I look over and I see I'm up on points. I will lay here. So how does the points work then? So you know you're up on points, but like. If he got you in that way, like a normal, like I would be like, well, he's probably winning because he's got yeah, you. Right. <laughs> um, so like, I don't know, jujitsu tournaments are weird. Like, I don't even know the points like that. My coach tells me to go do it, but like, you get like a takedowns two points, and then you pass a certain position, like their guard, you get points. Then it depends on the tournament. Some tournaments will give you points for setting up a submission. Um, this one didn't though. So I was just like, okay, I'm up on points, like. Like, I'll be good. So, like, mm. th- 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 there's so much growth in suffering and, and testing yourself. I'm not saying, you know, to live suffering, but, like, you know, when those tests are there and you embrace those challenges, you become such a stronger and better person. Like, some people haven't been tested since college, since school, really. And Or, or before that, honestly. Yeah, or some people that. some people get to school and it's like they're still coasting. Mm-hmm. It, I was – academically like that anyways like i was still coasting in in that way like i didn't have to study hardly for for i didn't make the most of myself at college but as a person definitely trials and tests and and growth as a person Mm -hmm. but yeah it's like that's a weird that's one too because i feel like a lot of the people like that was instilled in you from well from your mom from when you were little so yeah it's like when you grow up with that, it makes it makes life uh, easier. Is not the right word, but it makes it more uh, fulfilling in the long run to have that to have the perspective of, of I can tolerate this discomfort because I know on the back end yeah. something good will happen from it. Yeah. And then and then to have the awareness to take the lesson out of it to think yeah. of like okay oh I was it was uncomfortable or. I suffered for this X, Y, Z reasons. And this is why, this is what I learned from it. Yeah. And then, and then to go apply it again, because it's easier to say like, yeah, I learned this thing. And then you just never do it. Cause people do that as well. Yeah. Like, um, 
it's crazy. Like my high yoga instructor once said this, like be comfortable being uncomfortable mm-hmm. in certain situations, not everything, but you know, that's where true, true change happens. It happens outside your comfort zone. So that's also something else to help that a lot. It was like the hot yoga, you know? Um, but yeah, like it's one of those things, uh, once you get comfortable at being in uncomfortable situations, you thrive, you gotta learn to thrive in that, you know, it's thriving chaos. It's a great thing. You're just in that moment. Like, you, you know, know who told me that as well? A band director told me that I went to high school with this guy. He's a band director. Now <laughs> he said the same thing as, uh, you, you have to be comfortable being uncomfortable. And he was talking about it for um, like auditions for orchestras and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I have, there's a clip that's on, that's on the channel. It's literally said band director says, be comfortable being uncomfortable mm-hmm. is wild. It, it applies to everything. It's, it applies to art, you know, like pretty much like you said, everything. And that's why I like, I love, you know, when somebody finds their art because you start to see commonalities in the way that they think. Like, you know, there's so many differences between a band director and, you know, a mixed martial artist and a soccer player. But the thing is, when we have our craft, the mindset that we need to have is, is quite it's quite similar. Um, mm-hmm. Like, uh, I'm pretty sure you heard of sports psychology. Like, that's been taken off yeah. lately, too. And you see what it, what it does for these athletes. And they learn a very similar mindset of, uh, you know, execution, depending on, you know, where they get the information from. So it's, it's really cool to find these commonalities. And you find it also with a lot of, like, books in regards to, like, warlords and stuff like that. Like, you know, like Napoleon, like, you know, uh, Genghis Khan, like, those individuals, like, they have a lot of commonalities. But one of the main commonalities that they had was, you know, being, you know, that uh, being uncomfortable. But then also knowledge of self. Like, that was really big. Like, they knew who they were and how to control their self. And it's crazy because one of the quotes that Musashi uh, has is um, don't try to control others if you can't control yourself. So you start to see, like you said, like the commonality in the mind of those who excel or dare to be great. And so, yeah, it's cool. Yeah. That's interesting that you, that you, the daring to be great part. I had a discussion on, on the podcast as well with a guy, he's a video game designer, but we were talking about the sort of, um, the one, the people who try to be great often aren't uh, the nicest. <laughs> like you end up with um, like a Jordan situation where like the hyper competitiveness or the they have to win at everything or the um, like they will win at all costs, right? But at the expense of being nice to somebody else. And he was like, oh, like basically what we were saying, we were talking about. Uh, the context was like broader discussion for society. And he was like, well, when they're kids, like then they don't get socialized as well because the other kids don't like them. And I was like, yeah, that's true. But then also like, do you want to rob that kid of the chance of being like something great with, with the understanding that like, there's only one Michael Jordan. There's only one Kobe. There's only, there's only one Ronaldo. There's only one Khabib. There's only like, there's only one of these people. However, all of those people, have that have that like psyche or similar to them and it's the same thing with Genghis Khan and Napoleon like all of these people who anyone who's done something great has had to like be not nice at some like so that's an interesting thing where for me being in coaching and for I don't know what you plan on doing later but for people that are in that like teaching coaching sort of realm it's Mm -hmm. like it's tough because you see a kid that's 
like the other kids don't like him and then you see like there's some there's maybe something in that kid and like you don't as a society i don't think we've decided i think we've decided like no you should be nice to everybody and we don't want that situation to happen and i don't really like that yeah um and i agree um People put limitation on you that they put on themselves. I heard from somebody one day. Mm. And to me, it's like, just be you, you know? If you're naturally a kind person, then be kind. Like, if you're, you know, like, if you're yourself, you're authentic, then you're good. There's a reason why people get, like, kind of turned off when you're too nice, because a lot of people are nice, and they expect the universe to give them something in return. But when you're just yourself, and you're in your purpose, then existence is, like, effortless, because you're doing what you pretty much want to do and it's you know in a certain uh perspective you want to you know go down those lines and uh yeah i don't like it either um because not everybody deserves deserves your niceness not everybody deserves your kindness and a lot of things in this world that you want you're gonna have to take you know like i i, I tried the nice route when it came to mma at first when i first got in it like oh sorry this would be good to good to do and then finally i was just like yo you know what like yo like what the fuck's going on like you know what i mean like y'all know i'm the best fighter fucking here right like, I had to start to rattle people's, like, you know, their souls a little bit, their egos a little bit to get what I wanted. Because if you truly want what you want in life, you just walk around just being nice, expecting things in return, nobody's going to give you anything. Like, nobody really, what's wrong with it, for? Nobody necessarily is voluntarily going to give you everything in life. You got to go out there and get it. I mean, even if you look at, like, real estate, right? You mm-hmm. have to, like, compete with people to get that house. You're technically taking that house, in a sense, from another person. Um, yeah, it, it creates a community where it's like, I understand it keeps the peace, but at the same time, they're going to run into somebody who doesn't live by that mindset and they're going to get like, like out competed, blown through. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's an interesting concept and it's really interesting to see where society is going when it comes to the whole nice situation. Cause nice is so fake to me, you know, being kind is different. Like kind is like, yeah, you yeah, have yeah. the genuineness of your heart. Being nice is like when I'm bad as a kid and I'm like somebody, I'm like taking the kids lunch and I'm like, be nice. And it's just like, okay, so there's rules. I'm going to have to give this back. But that's not how the world works. Yeah. It's one, th- one thing you said that made me think of, um, is the, the nice thing. It's not really about, it's like you want to encourage people to, figure out who they are mm-hmm. and then be themselves authentically mm-hmm. and sometimes people are those hyper competitive individuals and that's who they are and there is a problem like if the, if if that person has no talent and like they scream every time they lose a board game like that's not healthy yeah. however that is like the self-control piece that you mentioned earlier and to i think finding finding yourself is a big is a big part of martial arts traditions in the eastern cultures isn't it yeah so like so you finding like figuring out who you are is probably the hardest and most rewarding thing i think somebody can or one of the hardest and one of the most rewarding things that somebody can do because once you figure that out then the conversation we had earlier about people coming back into your life when you do something or like this or that, like it doesn't matter as much anymore because you don't need those people for like validation or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what, 
we've come to this like cross section, this weird cross section where people tell people they can be anything they want, but that's not really true. It's you, it's to people can pursue what they want when they figure out who they are. And like, that's a nuance that I think that, I don't know. I'm just putting this together right now because of the two things you said earlier. I don't know. That's interesting. What do you think? What do you think about? What are your thoughts? Because I'm just putting this, piecing this together right now. I use these podcasts to like learn and put things together. So I don't, I yeah. don't know. Um, I live through the mindset of like, once you find yourself, you will start getting rewarded in abundance by like the universe, like by God, whatever your belief system is, because you're going to be moving the way that you need to move. The, the trap of being nice will have people doing things for people that they shouldn't be doing for um and so with that being said like you're right you know not everybody has necessarily the talent to you know do everything but if they pursue enough in a certain avenue they're they might not get that but they're gonna find their purpose in that avenue if you gravitate towards something gravitate towards it doesn't stop you you know um like i mean you can have a nine to five and do all that but if you're in the biking like go by i mean there's sweat i'm horrible at math but you know there's like 16 hours you know in, in a day left after work like like go out and bike so yeah i i agree i agree but it ultimately comes down to figuring out who you are and that takes a long time for a lot of people and also when you do that you find out what you're good at yeah you don't know what they're good at um takes time and suffering because you have to figure out the parts of you that aren't good and then you have to face those parts of you you have to look yourself in the mirror and be like i don't like this part about me and that's not yeah. fun yeah honestly that's how i found myself is through suffering like not fighting for two years seeing my title shot taken like you know old coaches saying i'm not good enough people aren't following me you know how hard it is to like you, you know how hard it is to push a brand but you know imagine you like stop making a podcast for two years but you're you out here promoting that you Got your, got your equipment ready, you know, yeah. got ready and you, you're not doing it, you know? Um, so yeah, it, it's a wild ride, but yeah, like through suffering is how I truly found out who I was. And that's when you start to be able to get validation from yourself. You stop looking from it, from other people. You get it from yourself. hundred mm percent. -hmm. I feel like that's a nice way to wrap this up. Mm -hmm. so we've got so you've got so just what's next for the people listening what's next for you? you've got your fight in april yes sir i got my fight in april uh, that's to defend the title yeah yeah to defend the title and after i'm going pro and it's gonna be you know full forward going pro so we're just making sure that we tweak what we need to tweak uh at, in the moment just be in the lab be in the lab baby we got hell yeah where can the people find you on the socials um you find me at a uh, nasty ninja black on uh, Instagram. Uh, it's quite a memorable name. Trust me, you'll see me when you find me. All right. Appreciate your time, man. Really enjoyed this conversation. Yeah, me too, man. All right. We'll see you all next time. Peace. Peace.